Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for black lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Today's scripture reading is from Exodus, book one, verses eight through, um, no, chapter one, (laughs) verse eight through chapter two, verses 10. And it's kind of a long reading, so we're going to break it up with both of our voices. And I appreciate that it's so long because it gives some context to the story of of that desperate act of, of putting Moses in the reed basket. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, 
When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because I drew him out of the water. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to Thanks. God. I've got a paper child. Will come the day when I'll be weeping. How can I love him in his eyes? This little babe upon my breast. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. You can take my body, take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. I've got a body dark young but not for long you took me to bed little
take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Take, 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 take the Hebrew boys, take the people into slavery, maybe take their children too, take away rights, take money that isn't yours, take, take, take. It can be so cruel and hateful. Take lives, take property, take land. Power corrupts, then grabs, and wants more and more, never satisfied, becoming paranoid until something or someone disrupts this pattern. Somehow a quiet, faithful no is spoken. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. This is an act of resistance. Shifra and Pua defied the Pharaoh and refused to kill the baby boys. This took courage. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and many others share a central commitment to the sacredness of every person. In California, the Interfaith Movement for Human Integrity has been joining hands with people of faith to act on these core beliefs. 
They defend the humanity of the immigrant and fight for the rights of the incarcerated. They organize people of faith to protect the rights, dignity, and well-being of immigrants. They help educate and guide congregations to become sanctuary congregations who can accompany, shelter, and advocate for people threatened by deportation. Of course, many of you know of this already. You know of their work because this congregation adopted the following statement on November 29, 2018. We are called by God, scripture, tradition, and our life together to live out our faith and our relationships in the world. We are called to act on our principles that all people have inherent worth regardless of their national origin, citizenship, or legal status. We are called to stand with those suffering injustice and to work to change the systems causing it. We see and reject the vilification and criminalization of immigrants across the globe as antithetical to our faith and our moral commitment to justice. Therefore, Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley declares itself a sanctuary church, standing in solidarity with immigrants and other organizations working on their behalf. How many of you are a part of that, becoming a sanctuary church? Wonderful. And the sanctuary action team makes sure that we are living out this commitment of our church and invites you to engage with them. See Jerry, raise your hand. See Jerry for more information. It takes courage to stand up and to speak up for justice, justice for the immigrant. It means at our soul, we know what is right and wrong, and we choose to do what is right. In the scripture, it says that Shifra and Pua feared God more than Pharaoh. And the translation can lead us to think of fear in the way we think of being afraid. Yet the meaning is wisdom. It means that their wisdom was entrusting God over their fear of the tyrant. Our Bible story closes with the baby Moses, who will grow up and tell, O oh, Pharaoh, let my people go, and he and frees the enslaved. Well, for those of us who are still learning our country's history, and that hasn't been taken away from us, our country's history has its Moses, Harriet Tubman, who liberated our country's enslaved people at a great risk to her life. You may know the conductors of the Freedom Train or Underground Railroad was a network of barns, churches, houses, boats, carts, wagons, trains, footpaths. They used any means necessary to assist between 40,000 and 100,000 runaway enslaved persons to freedom in, North and, in the North and Canada. These conductors, they defy the orders of the master kings and let the boys and girls, men and women live. Like Shifra and Pua, they risk their lives to save someone else. My friend Dory Sherrill says, the truth is that pharaohs in some form or fashion always will exist. She writes, and I quote, the God we worship is a God of liberation, one who gives and frees and makes new. 
Our task, our calling, is to stand on the side of life and freedom and new beginnings. Together, it was together that these two women were able to choose freedom. Pharaoh tried to impose his power on them, but instead, these two claimed the power that already belonged to them, a power which brought blessing and hope. End quote. You can take my body, you can take my bones, you can take my blood, but not my soul. By the second chapter of Exodus, when we get to the child in the basket placed among the reeds on the bank of the river, the power of taking is shifted. Now it is for good. Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the water. She takes him out saying this must be one of the Hebrews' children. And when their subversive plan works and the child's own sister calls the Hebrew woman, who so happens to be the child's own birth mother, Pharaoh's daughter says, take this child and nurse him. And mother and son are reunited. Tomorrow, August 28th, is the 60th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Thousands poured into, the D into D.C. from all over the country. Chicago and New York officially, officially declared August 28th Freedom Day and gave workers the day off. But on the other hand, there were those who were afraid. They feared the march would become violent. The Pentagon put 19,000 troops in the suburbs just in case. But in the end, there was no violence. There wasn't a single arrest. The marchers peacefully sang and chanted all the way to the Lincoln Memorial, where the 16th speaker that day, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., delivered what would become one of the most celebrated pieces of oratory in American history, part sermon, heart rallying cry. Most of the speech revolved around the idea that America has not yet made good on many promises it has given African Americans. The country has thus far defaulted, King declared, on the promissory, promissory note. The renowned gospel singer Mahalia Jackson had sung How I Got Over just before King spoke earlier and earlier that summer, she had heard him deliver a speech in Detroit that featured a stirring, I have a dream, refrain. And so that day in August on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, as a young preacher near the end of his remarks, and this is like in the uh, black church tradition, you gotta help the pastor and the preacher out sometimes because she just knew and the spirit welled up inside her and she says, tell them about the dream, Martin. And King responded extemporaneously, delivering, delivering words that many Americans know by heart. And today, 60 years later, we're still concerned for our democracy, voting rights, and the erasure of history. Our nation has an obligation on its promissory note, and this anniversary calls us to rededicate ourselves to fulfilling it. It takes courage. It takes trust in God and nurturing our faith as we grow in our discipleship.
As Mary Ann Cole said, our souls need always to stand ajar, to give each other room to do the right thing, knowing that the one who unites us is more powerful and is a constant source of grace in our lives together. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.